Welcome to the Legendary Leaders Podcast, Making Legendary Leaders, with your host, Katrina Jameson, where we focus on business, leadership, and life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode. Today, I want to focus on owning decisions. And I know that may sound like a bit of an odd topic because if you're a business leader, you already own decisions to a very large degree, right? Whether you want to or not, there are some things that come with your title or the fact that you own a business or a combination of the two that requires you to own decisions, okay? But there are definitely times, and I'm talking about direct reports here, that you have to ensure that your direct reports own decisions. We've talked a lot, you know, through past episodes about you know, ownership and allowing for ownership. We've talked about empowerment. We've talked about all these different things. But there's a very clear way to make sure that someone owns a decision. And there's what I would call the strongest way to have someone own a decision. And and I'm primarily talking about decisions around people leadership and talent development. Because we've talked about this and talked about this. Having fierce, direct honest conversations about performance is extremely hard and a lot of people avoid those conversations and so inherently whenever we have avoidance of a conversation we're gonna have the desire to sort of pass the buck eh, I don't want to fix that problem with that person eh, I'll probably get promoted soon mm, I'm probably gonna leave the company or I'm gonna retire or I'm, I'm, I'm gonna right I'm gonna and so People make mental excuses for why they won't drive change in people's performance. And as leaders, we're responsible for ensuring that that change happens anyway, okay? Meaning we help our direct reports push past that hesitancy to actually have those fierce performance conversations. And so in in part of that, it's forcing your person, your direct report, to own the decision around allowing that person to stay on their team. And so this is something that I do quite often and I've done in my past. You know, I I walk the tightrope that you walk, okay? And it's a very fine line. If you fall to the right of the tightrope, you are actually not allowing your direct report to make his or her own decisions. And so you're micromanaging. And that doesn't work. Well, if you fall to the left of the tightrope and you fall on that side of it, then what you're allowing your direct report to do is potentially have a significant mistake that's negatively um, impacting the business. And so you can't allow for that either. And so you're trying to constantly find the right way to guide the people on your team to make the best decisions without taking the decision from them or allowing them to make a detrimental decision that's going to damage maybe their career, at, at least definitely that month's performance in the business, right? So the way that I I walk that rope is I ask and expect and set the tone that my direct report own the decision that he or she is making. And that could be around a project. It could be around a direct report. It could be around uh, a demotion, a promotion, you know, extended time off. It it doesn't really matter um, what the scenario is. The point is that they are empowered to make the decision my role is to help them see the risks that are out there by making that decision, by, by taking the path they've chosen to take 
relative to that situation. And, and then owning whatever comes out of that decision as a result. Okay. Now the, the perspective that comes to me most commonly and why I keep talking about direct reports versus their direct reports is that I do, I see this most commonly happen when someone who has reported to me, let's call her Sally. Okay. For example's sake, Sally reports to me and Sally is struggling because she has an underperformer named Joe on her team, right? Another example of a random name. And, and Joe is not performing to the expectations of the role. And so, you know, Sally's had multiple conversations and put together training plans, and yet that underperformance still exists. Well, my role, and therefore inherently your role, isn't to go and talk to Joe and handle the situation for Sally. That doesn't empower her, right? And it doesn't allow her to make her own decisions. But something has to happen so that Sally doesn't make this significant decision that's going to negatively impact her portion of the business. And so where, where we walk the tightrope and meet in the middle of these two pieces is we essentially have Sally commit to owning her decision. And so it could be along the lines of, you know, hey, Sally, I know that, that you want to allow Joe to take over this project, but his performance hasn't been where we need it to be. And I know you've been working with him on that. But this project that Joe's going to take over is significantly important to this company. Okay, it's, it's one of the biggest projects we're going to have this year. Do you trust Joe with that project? Do you feel as though Joe's going to be able to deliver to the expectations we have of the project as well as delivering to the performance that we expect in his role? And that's a fair question, right? Because normally projects are rewards. We give projects to people who are doing exceptionally well, and it's a means of continuing to stretch and grow them professionally. And so that's where that first conversation comes from. It's, let's just bring it to Sally's attention. Sally, are you sure? How, how will that work? Walk me through how you see Joe being successful in this role, right? Taking on this extra project. Sally has to be able to tell me that. Sally has to show me that she's thought through it and that she understands what the, the risks are and the importance of Joe being successful in both situations, not just one. And she has to commit to, to standing beside Joe through this process. And so her answer is going to tell me that. If she hasn't thought it through, well, there's probably some coaching I need to do with Sally. That, that falls back on me to help her get through that. If, you know, she feels very comfortable that Joe can handle both and she comes back and tells me all the progress that he's made and, you know, he's asked for this, this project as part of proving that his performance has improved overall and he's on the right track, you know, those are all some of the things that, that we would expect to hear or would want to hear if Sally's done her part in really assessing that Joe is ready for something extra, okay? Now, at the end of the day, though, you and I are probably still going to have doubts, not because we don't trust our direct report, but we haven't really been able to inspect what we expect around Joe's performance. We see bits and pieces, but Sally is there every single day watching him and doing touch bases and, and really guiding him through his training plan. And so at the end of the day, we're going to let Sally make that decision. Okay, we're going to empower her to make that decision. We're going to let that decision stay with her. But we have to be abundantly clear that we're not going to allow the business to be negatively impacted by this decision. And that's how we drive ownership in this situation, okay? Because again, we can't let either one of those things happen 
I'm going to let her make the decision. I'm going to tell her why we feel like it's, it's a risk or uh, you know, any of the rewards that are tied to it. We're going to do both of those things. But then we're also going to set the tone that we can't allow the business to be negatively impacted by Joe's underperformance. Okay? And so the way that I do that is I'll say, Hey, Sally, if you really want Joe to take over this extra project, I trust you. And that's really important that you say that because you do trust Sally. And, and in this instance, I'm trusting Sally. So I want to tell her that. I trust you. If you're telling me that Joe's getting back on track and he's going to be able to handle all of these pieces, I trust you. I trust your judgment in making that decision. But what I want you to really understand here is that we cannot allow the business to suffer or struggle or not deliver to the financials or the KPIs that we've established for your team. Those have to still be delivered upon. And so I need you to know that going in. We can't have a miss in sales, for example, that's attributed to your part of the business. And when I come and we sit down and look at why that's happened, it's because of Joe. If Joe is not performing, then I expect you to step in and still ensure that overall, at the end of the day, your team delivers to the commitments that you've made. Do you understand? And you ask for confirmation. So in that conversation, what I've done is I've, I've empowered her. I've told her what she's, she can do. I've supported her. I've definitely reiterated that I trust her because, again, I do trust her. If I didn't, she wouldn't be on my team. But I say it because it's important that people hear those words, right? I trust you. So I said that to her, but then I make it very clear as to the fact that we will not suffer relative to the overall business performance because of Joe. That cannot happen, and, it, and if it's happened in the past, it won't continue. And that I expect that she stay in touch with the business such that if we start to see a decline, she steps in and personally takes action to rectify it and get it back on track. Now, let's say Joe is a sales rep and, you know, he's not delivering to, to the metrics from his sales performance that contributes to the total team. Well, in that instance, in some capacity, Sally's going to have to go and be a sales rep or Sally's going to have to ask the rest of her team to step up and do more as a total sales team. That's going to be up to her. But at the end of the day, she's going to have to deliver to that and she's going to have to own that knowledge. So I put her on notice right out of the gate. Here's the expectation if you're going to go down this path. And that's really important because at the end of the day, Sally then can come back and say to me, hey, Katrina, I, you know, it makes sense. I, I can't miss the financial targets, and I understand why you say that. I don't think that I'm going to be able to deliver to those with Joe doing the extra project. I really think that he, he needs to be focused on just his primary role. I'm going to come up with an alternate plan. Okay, Sally, perfect. Um, or it could just be, hey, Katrina, you know, I know that, that Joe may struggle a little bit, but I still want to see if he can do it. I will pick up the extra slack if something starts to fail. Perfect, Sally. That's, that's great. At the end of the day, what we're looking for in that conversation to tie all of this up and be able to move forward is Sally's understanding of the expectations that you've established and her commitment that she's going to own the results and the overall performance of her team. And that it may take all hands on deck or some extra work for her because we're not going to allow Joe to hold us back. We can't, especially when we already know that Joe is struggling. Okay? So, 
I know I went back and forth a little bit with some role plays and then some overall teaching, but what, what I want you to walk away knowing and understanding, and, and you probably already do this, so I'm just serving you know, as a friendly reminder here, but when you're trying to walk the tightrope between empowering your direct reports to make decisions and saving them from a detrimental decision that could impact the business negatively or even their career, depending upon how big that decision is negatively, right? You want to stay in the middle. And the way that you can stay in the middle and, and, and protect from bad decisions but empower is to force your direct report. And I say force like it's a really strong word. Expect and, and identify and clearly define your expectation around your direct report owning a decision that could have an impact to the business or to them. So it's an eyes wide open scenario and how you expect them to engage in order to not let that happen, to not let a negative impact happen to the business. When you establish that expectation, that will force them to then rethink that decision from a different perspective. Most people assume when they make a decision that it's not, there's not going to be a negative impact. And if it isn't, it may only be small. And so we'll be able to overcome. But when you say, nope, we're going to deliver and that's the expectation, you take away the gray and the wiggle room. And so many times that forces your direct report to say, well, let me rethink that decision then. Okay. Because the different lens that you've asked them to look through and that's all you need. And once they commit and they own that decision, then you hold them to it. Maybe they have to work extra hours or they have to, you know, start calling individuals and making sales themselves or whatever it takes, but they'll learn through that lesson of crap. I gave Joe a chance and I probably shouldn't have. I should have seen the writing on the wall and there were things that I did wrong as a leader that, that I shouldn't have done and the decisions that I made weren't sound. And so I won't ever make those decisions like that again. And that's a good learning lesson to, to have and for them to go through and deliver upon on their own without you having to take the decision from them, right? So it's a valuable lesson without damaging them or their career, all right? So think through that. That's always my challenge for you all each and every day that you listen to one of these podcasts. Think through this idea and this topic. Think about how you may have been engaging with a direct report like that. Think about maybe you have a direct report that's that's acting in that behavior and you're having some underperformance from a Joe and and a, you know your direct report Sally is just not getting that performance and so you're going to have to force her to own the decision to allow Joe to stay on the team. Right? And if she doesn't deliver then the reality is that we start delivering accountability and start having disciplinary discussions with Sally. And that is your role. Right? When Sally agrees to delivering to the, the financial budget for the month, for example, with Joe staying on the team and doing the things that, that you all have agreed that Joe's going to do. And if there's a miss, it falls on Sally. And then you address that with her. But that's also a very clear-cut conversation because she went into that entire scenario eyes wide open. And that's fair. And that's what we want to be is fair. So think about, have you been in that situation before? Would you handle it differently now? If you're dealing with a situation in, in your business in this moment, how can you take this idea of asking your direct report and expecting your direct report to own the decision and defining what that means in order to get some different performance, right? So think through that. Think about how you can apply it. And my challenge to you is to apply this methodology moving forward um, and see how that works out for you. Every time I've done it that way, it's been very successful. And we've had improvement at one level or the other because of it. 
And that improvement could have been true performance improvement or it could have been the fact that we realized that person just wasn't meant to be on the team. Okay? All right. Hey, thanks for listening. Go and be legendary.